Heartbeat. It's crazy how something so simple can signal the beginning and the end of life. Love, give, go. This is the heartbeat of our church. Together as a church, we are called to show unconditional love to the people around us. We are called to welcome everyone with open arms, just as the Father welcomes the Son. Together as a church, we are called to be irrationally generous. We search for and give every last thing we can, just as the Father gives the feast to welcome the Son. Together as a church, we are called to an unwavering mission. We are forever searching for the lost to bring home. Together as a church, we are called to have a heart beating for His kingdom to reign. Everyone needs a healthy heartbeat in order to have a healthy life. So, why does your heart beat? So your heartbeat's a big deal. Uh, I don't know what you think about when you go to the doctor. Uh, when I go, I, I do not thoroughly enjoy myself. Uh, I, I, are there any of you, I'm just curious, any of you when you go to the doctor, the idea of going to the doctor, you just, that just, that makes you nauseous. Any, any, okay, some of you, you, you liars. Uh, so when, when I grew up, I, I hated going to the doctor. I was afraid to get shots. I just didn't want shots. So I asked, am I going to get shots? And my parents would lie to me like, no, of course not. And, and, and now my kids ask, that's what they don't enjoy going. Uh, they don't want to get shots. And, and I'm in that quandary. Do I lie to them? Now, is this lying? And of course it's not if you're talking about shots. No, I'm just kidding. I just, I deflect. Like, hey, there's, there's, there's candy afterwards. There's candy. Some candy. Uh, now, when I go to the doctor, uh, I still am stirred up enough uh, that it's now a, a joke, which is weird uh, amongst them. That when I show up, they know that they're going to have to take my blood pressure twice. So they, they do the first one, and it's high. And they're like, what's the matter? I'm like, nothing. I don't know. I love being here. This is great. How are you doing? Uh, and it's so much so that I, I just have this anxiety. And I, I don't have details behind it. I just do. And so they take it later, and it's decently fine then. And we all have the conversation, David, are you, are you aware uh, of, of vegetables? Have you heard of them? And I'm like, no, I have not. Uh, when you go to the doctor, one of the first things they're going to do, one of the first things they're going to do is check out your heart. Like, how's it, how's it beating? Uh, what's the heart rate? You know, all that kind of stuff. It's a big deal. Uh, if, you, if you ever be in some sort of an accident where, not by choice, but you've got medical personnel arriving on scene, they're going to quickly, quickly check your heart rate. Very simple fact uh, the health of your heart is your livelihood. We all know this. This is fact. This is locked in. Some of you, you are paying a great deal of attention to this. You're like, donuts, no. You're saying no to a lot of, you're like, yes, my heart must be healthy. Because you know, well, the, the sad part of the facts. The most recent thing I read, uh, every 34 seconds on average, someone's heart because of disease or something stops because of some sort of heart disease some problem with the heart the heart's a big deal so you and i are supposed to in theory pay attention to our physical heart now i'm not trying to play the role of your doctor for those of you who are like no okay david i got i got plenty of doctors i don't need you to make me feel bad about the amount of steaks that i'm eating all the time 
Uh, no, no, I'm not here to play doctor. I would be a horrible one. I would say jokes at very horrible moments, and patients would be like, that guy's messed up. And I just, I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to play that. But when it comes to, to doctors, they deal with your physical heart. We know that. I'm your pastor. So I want to talk to you about the invisible heart. The heart that, that you have. Perhaps it's been broken before. You're like, oh, you remember that. You felt that. If you've ever had a broken heart, you, you don't forget that pain. Some of you, your, your heart goes out to people in need. Like you, you watch a commercial or you hear some news, and, and you might say, you might articulate that way, that your, your heart is going out to them. Uh, some of you, you, you work, and, and the way you work, you, your boss would say your heart is really in this. I want to talk to you because not just uh, is it my job, but I would tell you even more important than your physical heart is your spiritual, your emotional heart. Uh, let, me, let me show you. This is what the Bible teaches. Uh, above all else, guard your heart. Now, you notice above all else. Some of us like, David, I need help. I need help prioritizing my life. Okay, take words like above all else and say, hmm, above all else, guard your heart. Meaning from the Bible itself, your top priority is to guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Just think about all the choices you make. <clears throat> The people you've dated, the effort that you make at work or at school, uh, what you do with your life, what you choose not to do with your life, how you spend your time, all of it, everything you do flows from your heart. The heart is the source of everything you do. And if it's unhealthy, you're in trouble. In fact, no, no, worse than that, worse than that. If your spiritual heart is not healthy, other people around you are in danger. If, if you don't know how to treat other people, and you're like, I haven't been taught this, that's not as much of the issue as what's the health of your heart. Because here's what I know about you. You want to live a life that matters. You want to live a life that, that may, has some good to it, that, that maybe even has some impact. You want to live this, what's called the full life. Um, Show you in the Bible, John 10, 10, this is, this is our Savior talking. Jesus, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, if you're like, I don't know, the thief? Who's the thief? We just did a whole series on this called Stranger Things. The thief is out to get you, wants to take you down, wants to make your heart so toxic that not only are you destroyed, but the ones around you are. I have come, Jesus has come, that they may have life and have it to the full. Some of us grew up maybe in a, in a setting, a tradition where you're like, no, 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 no. Christians have boring lives. And Christians are not supposed to have any fun whatsoever, ever, ever, ever. In fact, it's horrible, and it's, it's where you just feel bad about yourself and everything you do all the time. There's no full life. Well, just erase that for a second and allow Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christian, right? Okay. Uh, allow that to be spoken into your heart. He, he wants you to live the full life. This full life is powerful, but uh, the full life requires a healthy heart. So uh, just I'll press into your life just a little bit. Do you have, and don't answer out loud, 
Do you have a spiritually healthy heart? Think about it. If you're, if you're single now, you're like, I don't want to talk about if I'm single, David. If you're single now, and maybe there's a day you're like, I don't want to be single. And maybe you've got that person even scouted out, and it's borderline stalking. You need to stop that. But you just need to think about this, that if you're single and you one day you're like, you know what? I, I want to be married someday, and, and I want that marriage to be awesome, okay? Well, if you want that, you need a healthy heart. For those of you who are like, you got dreams for your life and, and you want a certain job or a vocation, something like that, that, that would allow you to, to do great things, you're going to need a healthy heart to manage things that impact others. For those of you who want a parent, it's not just about adding to your home. The best parents have healthy hearts. For those of you who are students and you're in school and you're like, I want, I want, to, I want to do something great even in my school, you need a healthy heart. And so in this series, we're going to spend, we're going to spend a few weeks here uh, talking about our hearts, our spiritual hearts. Uh, there's a prayer. In fact, uh, in the Bible, David wrote something that I think is very profound, and, and, and I've owned it for a prayer. Some of you are like, I just tell me, tell me what to pray. You love the prayers in the Bible. And so, so here, here's one. I think this is, this is amazing. Create in me, think of this as like a prayer. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Sometimes uh, we struggle not just with us and God, us loving God, but we struggle with others as well, and there's not a lot of loyalty in our lives. And I'm telling you, if you wrestle at all with this, perhaps it begins with a prayer. So you need to know, in, 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 in preparing these sermons and, and, and preaching and all that kind of stuff, I'm going to be praying for you. You're like, you don't know me, but I still can pray for you. I'm going to pray that, that God will create in you a clean heart. I'm going to pray the same for me. I think, I, I believe this with all my heart, that the world can be better, but it needs more people with clean hearts. It starts with engaging God. So many of us grew up in different situations, Scenarios, and we're like, all right, I'm game. What does a healthy heart look like? I mean, some of us, you got ideas. I mean, my doctors are like, all right, here's the deal, David. Here's what a healthy heart does. So here's what you need to do. No more donuts, and, and, and you need to actually learn what vegetables. I think the next time I go to the doctor, they're actually going to have vegetables there just to show me. Like, this is what we're talking about. And, 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 and so you and I can talk. We know this. Some of you have studied it. Some of you have had doctors tell you what a healthy heart looks like, but spiritually speaking, the more important part, do we have evidence of what that looks like? And I would say yes. In fact, in fact, Jesus tells us a story. The story contains in it how to have a healthy heart. So you and I don't have to have a guessing game about this, but just like when a regular doctor talks to you, you and I still choose if we're going to apply it when we walk out. I'll show you the story and let you kind of process this. story that Jesus tells. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share, give me my share of the estate. Give me my inheritance. Okay? So he divided his property between them. Dad says, all right, you want your inheritance early? I will give it to you. So Jesus keeps telling the story. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, 
set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Some of you who are in the later generations are like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what's wrong with this world, is they're just throwing their money away. I, I get that, I get that. Uh, but listen to what Jesus is teaching. It's powerful. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. That's what happens always, everyone. Don't waste your money, but here, the story keeps going. That's not the point of the whole story. I will set out and go back to my father. So just to give you clarity on the story, Jesus is telling the story. He's like, here's the deal. Here's what happened. This, this son says, I want my inheritance early. Dad says, okay, here you go. Son's like, thank you very much. He leaves home, wastes every penny of it. Yay! Throws it all away and decides and concludes, I've got no hope. He has no money. He's in a famine. In fact, the Bible even tells us he begins to kind of look at what the pigs are eating going, hmm, that looks good. And he decides, I've got to return home. I've, I've got to go back. That's my only place. But everything has to change now because I've, I've, I've wronged people. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. If you, if this should be a bit weird to you. Like, well, okay, I get how he sinned against his dad. Like, he shamed his family. He, he, he wasted his inheritance. That's wrong. You're not supposed to do that. But how did he sin against heaven? Well, it brings up something that might be slightly offensive to you. It's that God cares about what you do with the money that you have. That there is an element of obedience to God. He's saying, I've sinned against heaven, the wild living, how he wasted his money, sinned against his family too. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Whoa. Jesus is helping you and I understand that when you and I make choices, a lot of times we're tempted to own shame that just creeps in. I have yet to meet a single adult yet who hasn't had to wrestle with shame. Make me like one of your hired servants. In other words, no longer will I be son. No longer am I going to have the same role in this family. In fact, I won't be a part of the family. I'm just going to live there. So this is the point, though, that Jesus is telling the story, and now it's lesson time. He's like, he set everything up. Jesus, by the way, tells the story. By the way, he's not like just, oh, go on, I'm just going to make something up. The story has a lesson, a lesson on how to have a healthy heart. And he turns it here. So I just wanted you to perk your interest a bit just to somehow lean in and be like, oh, okay, I know the plot now. Jesus, what do you want to teach me? Here it is. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Sometimes we're like, oh, that's so sweet. In fact, some of us might even jump to the conclusion, that's what I would do. Be careful. Just think about the last time that someone wronged you. Were you filled with compassion for them? Or four-letter words in your head? And plots that you would never tell anyone? Most of the time when we're wronged, it's not compassion flooding our heads. It was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, I underline, he ran to his son. You may not know why 
Jesus, in the midst of a story, says he ran to his son. If you don't know how storytelling goes, here's what he could have done. The son decided to return and showed up next to his father and gave him a hug. That's one way, right? One of the ways the story could unfold is the son is gone, does bad stuff, comes back, and, and, and just knocks on the door and is like, hey, can I talk to my dad? And, and Why does Jesus, in the midst of a story, point out that the, the son is a ways off and the dad sees him and runs after him? See, I can tell you why. We know it culturally. We know the audience he was talking to. Because anybody who would take an inheritance early and waste it and return home, here's how everything worked. The town would get that person if they ever returned. For those of you who aren't from small town USA, let me tell you something about small town USA. Everybody knows your business. Same thing would have happened here. If that son had returned, everyone would have known exactly what he did. And the way it worked is they would have all just grabbed him, brought him to the center of town, and issued the death penalty. And they would have taken stones, rocks, and thrown them at him and killed him for what he did to God and to his family. The only possible chance, the only way for this kid to come back and be rescued and not face the, the death penalty was for the father, the leader of the home, to intervene so Jesus says, while the son was a long way off, in other words, not close to home, not close to safety, vulnerable to anything and everything out and about, the father ran after him. And I would tell you, the reason he ran after him was to save his life. And Jesus was pointing that out. Even though what the kid had done was wrong. You want to sum that up? I'll sum it up for you. Two words, unconditional love. That's what that is. That's what, that's, if you've ever watched a movie and you've seen this, no matter what the guy's done, unconditional love. Running after. I mean, can, can you imagine the whole running part? For those of you like, yeah, I've seen people run. Come on. No. Have you ever ran regularly in a robe? No, you have not. We don't wear robes anymore. Most of us don't. Can you, I mean, you know, if you, if you do not regularly run in a robe, uh, like myself, uh, I, you, well, here's what you got to do. You, you got to pull the robe up a little bit. You got that? Because running in it's a bit, a bit awkward, and when you pull it up, you're showing off uh, the legs that have never seen sunshine in years. In this guy's case, decades. You, there's a little bit of throwing your dignity away in this moment. You're, I hope you're catching this. is not like, oh, it's so beautiful. I can just picture the scene. The music starts, kicks in. This is awesome. No, this is an awkward older man hiking up his robe and chasing after his son, saying, I don't care what anyone else thinks, what they're going to say about this. i got to save his life. It's unconditional love. But we live in a culture now that mostly just offers conditional love in other words as long as you don't hurt me i'll give you love i gotta give you sad news what i've learned is that there are many friendships that are one mistake away from completely breaking just think about it for a moment do you have any friendships or relationships that if you messed up one time, you know for sure 
it's completely over. I've talked with several couples who go into marriage listing out, if this happens, this happens, or this happens, we're over. You, you know that's conditions. You just take the story and think about the dad. Let me ask you a question. Or let me just show you this, because I think this helps. Who you run to is who you love. Who you run into. Who in your life, just think about it. Some of you, you're like, thank you, I got a bullet point list now. This person, this person, this person, this person, that's who you run to. It's a big deal, who you run to. Who you run to is who you love. Some of you are like, oh, okay, so you're listening off maybe your spouse, you're like kids for sure, mother-in-law maybe, depends. Yeah. And then there's other people you like for sure would not make the list. You would never run to certain people. This is very personal to me. I've had people run to me when I didn't deserve it. Katie, Katie's my wife. Katie and I were, were dating. We lived in Manhattan, Kansas, and we fell in love fast. And uh, we put up no boundaries, no discipline. So we got very physical very fast. And I was a youth pastor in town, and, and that dynamic put a lot of trust uh, on the table. I had a lot of teenagers who relied on me not only to teach them what the Bible said, but, but to teach them like how to model life, how to live life. I had parents who put the same kind of trust in me, trusting in me not just to, to teach things, but, but to show how to live life. I had a whole church, of course. I'm their youth pastor, and so of course, I'm, I'm, I'm not just teaching and, and being this youth pastor, but I'm supposed to display and show how to live life. Well, Katie and I were dating. I'll never forget the night where she told me, hey, uh, we're going to be parents. We were married. And I knew that that immediately meant that my job was now over. But even worse than that, I had betrayed the trust of teenagers, parents, of a whole church. Now, the way this works, if you haven't grown up in church, is typically when you make a, a horrible mistake, there's a tendency that people do not run to you. Uh, they run away from you. It's just imagine ants who all of a sudden have this threat, and they just scatter out. That's what I believed would be happening, how it's going to play out. I, I thought for certain. So Katie and I decide, hey, we love each other. We're going to get married. Uh, but what well, we got to go because we are now enemy number one. I'll never forget that same week. Got a phone call from some parents. <laughs> and I knew what they were going to say. It was a time to make sure that I knew what I had done was horrible. They were going to tell me that. Pretty much ripped me apart. I expected it. Thought I deserved it. But the request was, hey, would you and Katie want to come to a Bible study of ours? We're about to go through a marriage study. And since you guys are getting married, we thought you'd love it. Do you want to say anything else? That was it. So we started going to the Bible study, and there was no threats there. There were not like, hey, we need to make you need to sit down. We got some things to say to you. No, none of that. 
Now, what we had done in the same time is we decided to stop going to that church because we're like, well, you can't, you can't go to that church anymore because there's people there that, that we've hurt, we've betrayed, we've wronged. Uh, if we go there, they, they might kill us, but they definitely will, will talk bad about us and not want us there, so we can't go there. Well, then the parents at this Bible study said, hey, you should come to church with us. We're like, no. They kept pushing. You should come. In fact, they're like, you know what, when, when you pull up in the parking lot, when you come someday, you call us, and, and we'll be there. We'll be there. We'll walk with you. Like, we'll sit by you. So I was like, all right, well, we'll do this. So I remember pulling in the parking lot, sitting in the car. I, made the, I found the furthest parking spot I possibly could, and I kept telling Katie, Katie, you're sick, right? You're sick, right? We shouldn't be here. We need to go home, right? She's like, I'm fine. I'm like, no, you're sick. We don't need to be here. We don't go to church. So I called them, like, hey, we're here. Uh, we'll be in in a minute. As I opened up the car door, there they were. I don't know how they got there so fast. They parked real far away. I don't know how they knew where we were, but they were there. And they walked with us into church, and they sat with us. They ran to us what that looks like. Now, I know the ugly side of this. I'll show it to you. Uh, there are people who don't know who Jesus is because there are people who refuse to run to them. Chances are you've got people that you've come across or that you've thought of or heard about that you refuse to run to because of what they said, what they've done. It might even not even be true. It's just what you were told about them. And what I know about life right now is there are people who don't know who Jesus is Because other people disagree with their lifestyle. Disagree with their political stance. Here's a heart check. Who are you refusing to run to? Now, just like me, I hate going to the doctor because my doctor asks me stuff that I don't want to tell the honest truth about. But if you want to have a true conversation about the health of your spiritual heart, who are you currently refusing to run to? Who are you refusing to love? Let me show you what the Bible says about this. New command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. You're like, no, 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 no. It's by what we, we don't do. No, no. If you want to know how other people are supposed to know you're even a Christian or you love Jesus or anything like that, it's based on how you love other people. So your refusal is dangerous. In fact, if you refuse to love, you have higher standards than Jesus. If there are people in your life that you're like, I will never, ever Offer them any kind of forgiveness or any kind of love because of what they did. They don't deserve it. You have just owned higher standards than Jesus Christ. So if that makes you sick, which it does me, like I don't want to have higher standards than Jesus. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about how to have the right love. Here it is. Uh, love is conditional until you make it personal. 
For if you're like, you know what, i got to have unconditional love. If that's what a healthy heart has, if that's what like a true Christian, not a fake Christian, which there are many of those. A true Christian, love is conditional until you make it personal. You have to make it personal. If you refuse to make it personal, you will not love another person the way they need to be loved, the way you should love, the way that proves you actually have accepted Jesus' love. Now, if you're like, like, how do you make it personal if you don't like the person? Or how do you make it personal if you just don't know what to do about that? I'll show you here. When you, when you choose to care, it becomes personal. But you've got to choose to care first. Let, let me, okay, you're like, how do you choose to care? Let me give you examples. Let's say someone invites you to their kid's wrestling match. And you're like, Okay, and you show up and you realize that the wrestling match is two minutes of the 12 hours that you're going to be there. And you're like, what in the world is going on? If, if you go to a swim meet, same thing. One minute for eight hours of time, you go to a middle school band concert. <laughs> and you leave going, that was awesome. All right. I don't think you're lying. You're not lying when you leave and go, that was awesome. You're not, you know, you chose to care. That person, that kid, that nephew, uh, that, that friend of a friend that you just, you, said, you didn't want to go there. The whole event was not perfect and spectacular and awesome and not worthy of putting, like, like listening again or seeing it. No, no, no. It, it, you cared. But you chose to care. It was a choice. And many of us, are refusing, ignoring the person that processes our food across, and we're just ignoring them. We don't, we don't care about them. But when you start to care about them, it becomes personal. Many of us are looking over at people because we got a mission for that day, something to do, someplace to go, or we think someone else is going to, no, 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 no. When you choose to care, you make it personal. But then that just tracks out even further. When it's personal, love becomes unconditional. But you got to care first. So uh, have you made love personal? Have, have you made it something that's so personal to you that, that it's unconditional? I thought this would be a good point to read something to you. I got to preface this that uh, I didn't change the words of this at all. This is uh, words of a fountain springer, okay? And as I read it, you're like, <laughs> Pastor, uh, Pastor made that happen. He wanted me to hear that specific. No, no, this is, this is, I heard about something they'd done in their life and I wanted to hear their story of it. Here, I'll just read it to you. We have been blessed with six biological children and experience love, chaos, mm, and highs and lows through raising five of them while losing one beautiful little girl. We realized there was a huge need in the community to care for children who through no fault of their own could not live in their family situation and often came from homes with very little stability. I mean, how can you eat at a table if there is no table? or have food if there is no food, or go to bed if there is no bed. 
We received a clear message from God of his calling to care for these children. Care. In desperate need of a safe home and unconditional love. In our 27 months, for those of you who are like 27, it's, it's just a little bit over two years. Just trying to help you. In our 27 months as foster parents, we have welcomed 51 children into our home. Including three that have lived with us since our first day as foster parents. You choose to care. Our experience with foster care has been anything but easy. I wanted to make sure I read that part but has been rewarding and has improved the lives of many children in need. One of the biggest challenges has been to deal with behaviors related to trauma or substances children have been exposed to prior to birth. We have been advocates for these children to get them into counseling and to look for methods to improve their lives and help them heal through guidance, patience, and unconditional love. Prayer has carried us through the most difficult times, and God's blessings have been the foundation for our home and carried the day. I don't read this to you to say now everyone must become a foster care family. But everyone must start to care. And a lot of times we are so distracted by life, we no longer care. Except about ourselves. Oh, we don't stop that. And in fact, when someone when someone does something to us, oh, you want to talk about taking things personal or making something personal? Oh, if someone says something about you, oh, you take that personal. If someone says something on social media about you or anything, you get offended. We get offended. I know this will shock you. There are lots of people who regularly get offended every day. I know, I know. Every day where we just take offense, I feel like we are professional people at being offended. It's hard to say anything nowadays without offending someone. We live in this constant state of not caring about others because we're so focused on getting what we deserve, what someone should say to us and how they should say it, to where we can't love it. we got no room for loving anybody because we don't care about anyone more than we care about ourselves. We're so offended. So I thought, okay, practical steps. How do you begin to walk out unconditional love? If you want a healthy heart, a thriving marriage, kids to grow up, to do great things, if you want to have the best work environment possible, the healthiest school, if you want to have that healthy heart, what do you begin to do? What must change? What must stop? What must start? Here, stop. We must stop staying offended. Please. Now, you're going to get offended. If I stood right here and, and made fun of you, you should be offended by that. You should be. If someone says something that's the, it's racist, or, or, or that, you can be offended by that. That can mess with you. But are you going to stay there? Are you going to become then a victim that didn't have to be a victim? I think some of us are choosing to be victims, and it's choice. So if you're currently right now offended, especially by something I've said, 
uh, please stop staying there. If you want to have a healthy heart, you can't stay offended. You can be hurt by the moment, but then you have to press forward and be like, okay, so that offended you. That was not right what they said or what they did or how that played out. So what do you do? We must start running to others. We must start walking forward and not getting trapped by our Moments where we were hurt or someone said something, did something. If you want to have a healthy heart, you refuse to be the offended person and you choose. It's not warranting what they did or justifying what they did, but you're saying, you know what? I want my health to be a priority. Remember? Above all else. Guard your heart. We gotta start running to other people. And this is for us as individuals, okay? But this is for us as a church. Just think, don't answer it out loud. When was the last time you talked to someone about who Jesus is? When was the last time someone did something they shouldn't have done and you were the first one to call them? where you didn't throw them out, you ran after them. We must be a church full of individuals that refuses to stay offended and runs towards people. Do you know why? It's because Jesus told the story, and the reason he told the story was so that you and I would have this kind of a heart. So you can join the crew that is constantly offended. but you will die of spiritual heart failure. You know what your doctor's gonna tell you if you have an unhealthy heart? One of them will be eat vegetables. But most doctors will tell you to get moving. Like, move your body. Exercise, walk, run. If you want to be a healthy person and live the full life that Jesus talked about, you need to figure out, are you going to stay offended or run to people? And I would tell you, our world needs more people willing to give grace and mercy. So it's your choice, just like if you went to the doctor. You want a healthy heart? You know how to begin. I'll share the next two pieces as this series unfolds, but I want to pray for you right now. God, I pray for us as a church and us as individuals. I pray for those who are listening in for the very first time and those who are seasoned, well-practiced Christians. Lord, I know that you have loved us beyond anything we've ever deserved. Lord, we pray and ask that you would intervene in our lives that you would give us mercy. Time to get our, our hearts healthy. Lord, for those who are, are wrestling with uh, bitterness, anger, and hurt, and regret, and even shame, in the name of Jesus, 
we ask that you remove all that and create in us a clean heart and a new life. God, I pray for even the next coming weeks that uh, you'll prompt us when there's someone that needs someone to run to them, call our name. Show us. Make it just come to the forefront of our minds to run to that person and ask them how they're doing. God, thank you for constantly running after us. We are so grateful. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.